show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams and to stock up the pantry with immunity boosting ingredients that's right we're talking about that tv producing profession or the dressing the models mission and also the newspaper reporter post sure but we are also talking about the old solar farm startup the cpa situation and of course the holistic <laughs> medicine michigas we <laughs> are your hosts jamie parker stickle and jason bieber and on this episode we are talking to not one but two amazing women, a mother and a daughter, and who knows you better than your mother or your daughter? Not my mother. Right. Well, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> these two have put their side hustles aside to join forces and write a cookbook that very well might save the world. It's called Healing Herbal Soups. Boost your immunity and weather the seasons with traditional Chinese recipes. I might need to pause this episode and go make some crocodile soup right now because... This looks delicious. Yeah, and while Bieber goes on a soup binge, I just want to say how excited I am to welcome you both, Rose Chung and Genevieve Wong. Hello! Yay! We're so excited to have you guys, and once we get past that intro, it's going to be smooth sailing, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just want to say, we got through the whole thing we wrote, but the title of the book, just, I couldn't get it out. It was too hard. <laughs> You know what? For a really long time, we also had issues um, memorizing the title of the book. Uh, it's actually not quite clearer. Like we, we after the the semi after the colon, we're like, what is the rest of our book called? I love that. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I think it's more than a cookbook. You know, that's that's make it a little bit more interesting than a normal cookbook. Yeah. Yes. It tells you things about what is happening in your daily life that you can relate to, and how to overcome those little problems that bugs you, you know, all day long. Yes. It's very funny that you know when our editor was uh, reviewing the book, um, they asked so specific questions that relate to them. Which makes it uh, funny, you know, yeah. in a way. But you can see how uh, daily life, you know, that things are happening and you don't, you're not aware of it, but it really bothers you. And what is the solution to that? I think that's the, you know, give you a, a example. Um, you know, it's very strange, you know, men and women ask different questions, okay, all the time. Uh, like, um, at that time, we have a female editor, and she's really good. And she asked the question, why is drinking green tea during certain times of the woman's cycle is not good? The men will ask a question like, you know, I see the thing about the air conditioning that you mentioned in the book that affects our life, you know. And I got colds from going in and out of air conditioning areas and all that. So... Everybody's interest is so different, but we offer solutions to how to cope with those situations. Yeah. So it's more than just a cookbook. Yeah. It's all also about our daily lives. Yeah, it's a cookbook about our daily lives. And if you have health issues, I think that's, yes. mm -hmm. we give you advice about health issues in the book. It's awesome. It's really great because yeah. it draws you in even when you're not just thinking about what to make for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah you know most cookbooks are really focused on like feeling full but ours is <laughs> which, which is kind of interesting because i think when we were writing it we said two things basically so these are not like soups that make you full these right. are just things that give you vitamins and help you to feel better so don't treat this like a meal and actually don't even eat the things in the soup we often say that like don't eat the herbs in the soup <laughs> Oh, um, and then another thing we say is, um, most cookbooks, you know, you have to learn how you have to know how to cook for yeah. ours. We say, actually, you don't need to learn how to cook. You just throw everything into pot and then oh. that's it. Oh, thank God. Oh, I like love you just, we you're like boiling water, basically, that's you know, you're awesome. boiling soup. That's awesome. So, yeah. I'm super excited for it. I, I really am. I, I think like you, especially through the, the last two years of kind of being insulated, isolated, and quarantined in a way, like you notice a lot of other issues going on in your life. You're paying more attention to how you feel every day 
because you're not um, well, you distracted. Ever? I'm not distracted by life because I'm at home all the time. Yeah. So I notice like every nuance of my body now and want solutions to that, which is interesting. And of course, every like every time I have an itch somewhere on my body, I wonder if I have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> or if you sneeze, right? Or somebody every else sneeze. next to you sneezes. Right. Oh, God. And that, I have terrible allergies. Have... I don't want to admit this, but I'm going to. And I don't want everyone to roll their eyes or shake their heads and know that I'm going to die from this. But I take Zyrtec every day because I have such bad allergies. And during COVID, I'm like, just keep popping Zyrtec because I can't do anything. Otherwise, I'm coughing, sneezing and getting anxiety or giving someone else anxiety. So I'm like, I'll just keep taking Zyrtec until everything's gone. It's just oh. my solution. It's terrible. I know. You, you need to start drinking healing herbal soups. I know. You know? I, well, I'm we also you. offer drinks. We also offer drinks. I think you need to drink some of our drinks, actually. You know, some of our drink. There's a drink that helps you relieve your. You know, everybody who stay has to stay inside the house a lot now. Yeah. yeah. So this anxiety and this uh, frustration is building up. You know. Mm-hmm. And. And so we have a drink, we have lots of drinks also included in the soup that only takes you five minutes to make it. Not no, I'm not a really good cook, so I like soup <laughs> as Genevieve says because it doesn't need <gasps> techniques. You know, you just throw everything in. If you have an electric soup cooker, you just push the button two yep. hours, fifteen minutes. That's all done. You know, it won't go wrong. I'm so excited. That's the beauty of it. You know. And so um, we have a drink that makes use of free flowers. And it's good to know the flowers around us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we particularly pick certain things for COVID-related environment, you know, because everybody have that those issues. I, we have those issues too. Um, for example, this drink that's is of roses and chrysanthemums and Ooh. all that. You know, roses... Rose tea itself has the ability to relieve you of anxiety. It makes you happier. So it's, <laughs> and it makes you sleep better too. I spray because it calms I down your this. nerves. It's a stress. Have... It's a stress relieving tea. Right. I'm excited. I am. Um, I I use rose oil. I just like rose oil and water and spray it at night before going to bed because yeah, I love rose. Yeah. So this yeah. is the drink version of the spray. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm so excited, you guys. Um, and I want to talk so much more about the cookbook, but I'm also really excited about their, their job. Yeah. We're going yeah, we we to talk. We're gonna have to dig in a little bit, see how we got to where we are now. Let's see how we got to where we sure. are. Okay. Sure. I know you had a question, so I'm going to let you start. I, I have. Because <laughs> your dad, in front of a lot of your dad being on page six. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Genevieve. You you uh, you were a reporter for the, now you were a reporter for a number of publications, but you actually specified the New York Post. Yes, uh, yes, it's the it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. Actually, I love that. Tell I mean yeah. so okay so one was your like was your career path always to be a reporter? Did you find yourself reporting? Like how did you end up at the Post or in, in report in newspaper reporting in general? Okay, so um, in my 20s, I really wanted to be a late-night comedy writer. Yes. Things were really different back then. Um, we didn't really have women in the uh, on writing staffs, and we certainly didn't have um, women of color. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up writing for um, Ryan Seacrest later on. I was one of his writers. Um you know, I worked a lot with um, Bill Maher's writers on, on things. And I, the point is, is, you know, that's what I wanted to do, but I wasn't exactly there just socializing with people like that. I, I, I mean, it, I just wasn't there. So I needed some work. So yeah, I did work as a New York Post reporter. Um, I studied journalism for my master's degree. So being a reporter was pretty easy. I was trying to make it as a late night writer. And so um, I wasn't really getting anywhere for for several years. So what ended up happening is I just, um, I just had to become a newspaper reporter and I could just get any work and even getting into the New York Post was hard in itself. So um, I've always liked the New York Post because we all had like such a great sense of humor. 
you know, and so, um, the fact you can incorporate humor into your articles as well as being factual. So that was a unique experience. I think that's great. Did you get your master's in New York? Were you living in New York then? I got my master's at Northwestern in uh, Illinois, mm -hmm. but I lived in New York for my undergrad um, when I went to NYU for film. Got it. Okay. So at the New York Post, so I used to write for radio um, and not that long ago, but um, I was writing for radio and New York Post was one of my sources. You know, I was writing for the news for the DJs and it was one of my, one of my sources. And I did always appreciate how much humor that all the reporters, all the writers have in their stories. And I tried to do that with the radio stories for the DJs and I would get in a lot of trouble. They're like, it's not supposed to be funny, Jamie. It's really serious. Like just tell the news. And I'd be like, but it's about Kim Kardashian. It should be funny. I also have a, a relationship to the post, which is that um, my father spent most of my teen years aspiring to, and ultimately one day getting into page six at the post. So that was kind of a, a okay. Wow. Cool. Cool. So. Yeah. Page six is, I never got in on to page six. No, we're, we're, we're they're very we're, snobby. That department is really snobby. Yeah. yeah. That is a, that is an, that is a closed world. What, what were you reporting? What page, <laughs> what page were you on in the post? Well, like the A section, <laughs> like news, 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 news. like crime. <laughs> news. It was all. It's it's like um crime. <laughs> if I did celebrities, it was crime, uh, local police, murder, you yeah. know, murder stuff like that. Yes, murder. T murder and terrorism. That's what was in back then. Yes. Yeah. Did you have sources? We had a lot of different sources for different things. I, I think I had more, so if you want to talk about sources, when I later became a TV producer at like E! News and Access Hollywood, yeah. so that's when sources really matter. Did you go from New York Post straight to... No, it was it was many years. So basically okay. then I, I tried to be a screenwriter and um, it didn't it didn't work out and you you know, so you kind of needed a job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I would paparazzi at night Yes. Wow. Uh, back, back in the days yes. when it was hip and, and lucrative. And Rose is and like, then, this is not what I wanted her to do. But no, it's, it's okay. okay because I was trying to be like a producer at E! News, you know, and I would constantly try out, like I did their writing test. And one day they said that, that they needed a temporary producer. And when I got in, um, to tell you the truth, I was still papping at night because the pay wasn't the best. And, yeah. you know, I, I paparazzied for, for several months and that went to years if you think about it. But anyways, it's just whenever I had time. So it wasn't like I was a good pop, uh, paparazzi. Um, but the point is, yeah, after I got, became a producer at E! News, I stopped doing the nighttime work. I went to actual parties instead, like as a guest, as opposed to being outside of the party. But, um, and then, you know, and then I kind of just, you know, I was tired mm -hmm. of waiting around for my screenwriting career. So I actually yeah. stopped. Um, I had a situation where I had like a development deal at Warner Brothers for several years and ever, nothing ever happened to my screenwriting. And so I quit at that point. And I, that's when I went full fledged into entertainment journalism. That's when I, I did access Hollywood. I did TMZ as well. I um, love TMZ. That's my morning. Yeah. News. TMZ is uh, interesting, right? Yes. All those skills are still applicable today, even though I'm no longer working for any of those organizations. <laughs> So where, what are you doing? So all of this accumulated to now you have a book, you know, yeah. writing has always been your passion and you do a lot of writing as a producer in the entertainment, um, E access Hollywood, et cetera. But now you're writing the things you want to write. You've, you've got the book coming out. What else are you working on? What is that all kind of, um, funneled out to? Well, what it all funnels out to <laughs> Is, and this is, and I, I'm a little shocked myself being like in my forties <laughs> and for things to happen to me finally. Um, so I basically have 
I picked up, so after Access Hollywood um, ended, I, I left the show. Um, you know, it's a very difficult, I loved working there and it's, I guess you can say on paper, it's one of the highlights of my life. But, um, but you know, it's, it's a really hard life to be um, yeah. a, a news producer at Access Hollywood and constantly ha- having to, to just be this identity you're just working all the time. Um, it's very stressful. It's a lot of power playing mm-hmm. and um, it's not who I truly am. So what happened is after I quit Access Hollywood, um, strangely, um, I had a friend come out and he, he was a literary manager and he was like, hey, are you still writing? And I was like, um, I quit like several years ago. And he's like, I always liked your stuff. Why don't you write again? And so it's what it's pretty invitation. amazing. But in a matter, yeah. So in a matter of two years, I've had like basically like five shows optioned. That's awesome, and, Genevieve. And so I was able, I was able to, and I still do it, you know. And I and I still my side hustles now are. I mean, I still work as a TV producer. Um, I produce America's Most Wanted. Um, but that's like just for two months out of the year, you know, so it so enables me to uh, write um, on my screenwriting. And um, I guess it was all worth it. It's very strange. It's a very roundabout path that you, you, you got yeah. off the path only to find yourself back on it. Yeah, I had, I had to. Yeah. yeah. you yeah. Ha- and, and I mean, I think one not only are you a woman, you're a woman of color. So you had two obstacles in a world that is dominated by men in general. You know, um, screenwriting is just a tough market. And I, I think that you have to put in all this life experience and time doing these other things. And, and I mean, that's why we have the shows, because we've spent so much time doing other jobs leading to finally at 40 Having the podcast of our dreams, getting a literary agent, having the podcast of our dreams, (laughs) Um, having a a lit agent and and whatnot. So it makes sense. And I I think your stories are only going, listen, I think everyone's stories only get better as they age because there's more, um, you're not as close to stories. You can, you can rise above them and, and, and see them more holistically versus just what's happened to me. Like when you read something that somebody writes in their twenties, it's all about themselves. And you're like, yeah. Oh my God, that's very whiny of you. Like, listen, other it's very have whiny stuff going on. That is correct. But during the pandemic, you know, we weren't doing anything. And my mom actually was, uh, you know, I know she's always wanted to put out a book of her recipe. She's very knowledgeable in traditional Chinese medicine and cooking with herbs and so um, I, I really just wanted to make her happy. Rose. And so we wrote, we wrote the book of all these recipes to help people. Because, um, you know, instead, instead of being in fear, uh, you can actually build up your immune system by yeah. eating well. So yeah. we wanted to help people as well. So, yeah, we got a book deal during the pandemic. <laughs> and Rose, you always sort of wanted to be an artist. You wanted to be an architect. Well, you always have some childhood dreams, you know, everybody has that and it never really happens. But I went through a lot, you know, ups and downs. Um, I actually was born into a family of uh, great wealth. My grandfather is a super, super successful man. But, you, you know, you, you start to appreciate things as you get older. When you're young, you know, especially, you know, with Chinese and they're very traditional, they think, but my, my father and my grandfather are exceptionally uh, visionary people. My father always wanted us to go to universities, you know, and have a college degree. You know, in those days, you know, back in Asia is a luxury for a girl to go to school, uh, speak English at five and go to university. But that's what my father's dream is. And he did it, you know, all his girls, yeah, it's remarkable. all my siblings and me, we, we came, we have a college education, which is his dream come true, you know. And my grandfather started to be a very poor peasant, actually. Never really go to school and become super, super successful. But what impresses me is that when... During their old age, you know, because of all the political 
changes and disturbance. After he become a super super wealthy, he was taking care of everybody that comes yeah. to him, and he oh, he wow. may I say take care. He gives them food, lodging, jobs, for maybe a thousand people. That's the that's the extent he is, and he's so. I mean, it really touches me now. And he took the time to do it, you know. And my grandmother's the same way. They try to help everybody yeah. that comes to them, and they live a very relatively frugal life, you know, for their wealth. They they. They are very down to earth, you know. They don't have name brand stuff and all that, but somehow that stuck into my mind. So um, mm-hmm. I, I went through a lot, you know. When I came to America, I only have a few months allowance, so <laughs> I don't have any money at all. I have to pay for, you know. Imagine you're seventeen years old and you're suddenly in a foreign country. You don't have anybody to help you. You have to pay for tuition. You have no jobs. How do you survive? I remember myself taking. You know how I know LA so well because I was taking a bus. It was a ten dollar pass. I remember. I was taking a bus all over LA, Orange County, Ventura County. That's how how I know my way through every pocket of the Southern California. <laughs> And I, I explore all that. I yeah. go to find, you know, I remember the notice to save um, 50 cents. I went downtown every weekend to go to Grand Central Market. At that time, Grand Central Market is just a, mm, like a swap meet. You know, it's not high yeah. class. Yeah. It doesn't have restaurants. Okay. It doesn't have all the uh, glamour. Okay. So, because uh, when the bread is a day old, they sell at half price. So, yeah. so that's my experience. I live in a place for six months without a bathroom, you know, without showers and all that. And during that time, I understand you were working up to four jobs at one time. Maybe four or five or six. I can't even oh remember. Oh, my gosh. I have so many part-time jobs. You were and working as a, a CPA. I finally um, become one. I passed on my first exam. I, I only go to school for... I only went to college for three years because I could have, I have to save one year tuition. So I took on a huge load. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I remember I always fall asleep at eight class, eight o'clock class because I am just so tired, you know? Yeah. And I feel really bad because my problem is that I always sit in the front row, okay? Nobody <laughs> wants to sit. And the professor, I'm mad because I fall asleep. One time I have to explain to her because she got so upset. I say, it's not that I want to fall asleep. You see, my my work is always uh, between an A and a B, okay? It's because I'm too tired. And then she yeah. she's okay from that point. But she I come told you to sit way. in the back when you're tired? I always sit in front because <laughs> I want to listen. I truly want to listen to, yeah. to the lecture. I, I'm a good student. But I cannot yeah. conquer right. over my fatigue, you know. Your resume speaks of what kind of student you are. I mean, should, can you go ahead and list off all these jobs, please? Okay. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, you were you're a CPA by trade. Mm-hmm. You were a, a CFO for several years. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur. You started a solar farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you started a bank, a yep. holistic medicine organization, a real estate firm, which mm-hmm. is your, your main organization, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, for which you acted as the general contractor for a number of your developments. Pay attention, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but also, the the like the hard left turn from all of this is that for four years, you and your husband uh, opened a Chinese, owned and operated a Chinese restaurant in Hermosa Beach. Yeah, that's an accident. <laughs> It's an accident. <laughs> that was I've an accident. Lot, yeah. I've had a lot of career accidents. None of them. We're opening a restaurant yet. Yes. Well, we talk about that Jewish deli all the time, though. It's true. I mean, it could happen. But uh, we're just I think saying. it's an immigrant's dream for my husband than for me. You know, really, I can I, I can't cook very well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, my dad's a dentist. He cooks <laughs> well. 
but he for some reason wanted to have a Chinese food restaurant. Uh, I think a, it was it's an old-fashioned immigrant dream. So he not has being a, a doctor, a dentist, but opening the restaurant. Opening a Chinese restaurant, yeah. You know, we had family that opened a dry cleaner, so I think he wanted to compete with the, <laughs> the Chinese dry. restaurant. Fair. But you think about real estate development. I want to be an architect. So I finally yeah. have my dream fall through because I actively participate in my architect's design. I have lots mm -hmm. and lots of suggestions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm a little overbearing. I correct <laughs> their stuff. You know, I well, I shouldn't use the word correct. They they're professionals. I'm not, but I just have many ideas what to do, and and that fulfill my dreams in a certain way. You know, I just mm -hmm. think about this this way. Life is a like a journey. For everybody. Mm -hmm. So you want to make your life very interesting. You want to expose yourself to all kinds of experience. And everybody can do it as long as they have confidence in themselves. You know, if you say that mm -hmm. I can't do it, then you really can do it. Okay. To me, I'm always telling myself, I think I can do it, you know. And so this is a I'm I'm sixty-five now. I don't mind announcing my age, but I feel, we both announced our ages. Yeah. Let, let me tell, but let me tell listeners, because um, we're only audio. Um, they both look no more than thirty. Okay, and, wow. and <laughs> it's I, it's I, the Chinese herbal soups. It's the Chinese herbal <laughs> soups. Telling you. I can't wait to start making them. One and two, I literally put makeup on this morning for them because they're so gosh darn gorgeous. I was like, mm, I'm gonna have to wear makeup. You this can morning. sell this book in bookstores and in beauty products. <laughs> yeah, stores. I a hundred percent. Well, we'll tell our publisher that. Yeah. He, he's he doesn't seem to know much about beauty though. <laughs> he's more of a food guy, I think. Our editor. I, I think if you um, you're young, not. Uh, of course, the diet is very important. The lifestyle is important. But mentally, if you are fulfilling mm -hmm. um, and you feel that you are fulfilled, okay, and you're happy about yourself, that's very important. I, I went through, my life is full of challenges all, from all directions. Everybody has unhappy things happening. But yeah. it's the art of getting over it. And you can see it from many perspectives. Your happiness is something in your mind, not really what's yeah. going around you. Like, I don't like orange juice and I have to drink orange juice, so I'm happy. <laughs> but you can also think that I love orange juice and orange juice is great, right? So it's all up to what you think. It's not really whether it's a happy event or it's not. And you, you look at I will all, say very little gets to my mom, like nothing gets to her. That's incredible. <laughs> Genevieve, watching your mom growing up and having your mom um, be have so many businesses and have her hand in so many different things, and not let anything get to her, and anytime. not let anything get to her. But seriously, did that influence you in a way to think less about one job in your future and 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 sort of branch out to accomplish? Because I think that's kind of the world we live in now too, right? Nobody stays at one job for forty years, retires, and gets their pension anymore. We look at things at titles and say, well, I don't want to be just a writer. I, I want to be a producer, a director, a writer. Or I don't want to be just a lawyer. I want to be an advocate and I want to be a congressman or whatever. And a stand-up comic. And a stand-up comic. I don't want to be just a doctor or a dentist. I want to be a food uh, restaurateur. Um, so <laughs> did this influence all your, your ideas of work and, and what you wanted to do? Um, yeah, there were, there are a few things that my mother definitely influenced me on. Um, you know, for a long time, I didn't have much of a tolerance for people complaining about work being hard, but I then okay. learned right. that in a corporation, you have to be empathetic. So <laughs> that's, you gotta be politically correct, right? right. So yeah. you gotta be sympathetic. You gotta be empathetic. Yeah. Mondays you know. are a bitch. <laughs> yeah, Mondays. Yeah, that's correct. Every life is hard. Um, so I would actually do a lot of work and not complain about it, you know, because my mom has such great work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect that from my subordinates or even my coworkers, because you know how they want to perform is their own business. 
but I definitely knew that my work was good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that she definitely influenced me in that sense to have good work ethic. Um, and then the second thing she influenced me on is this also, see, she never complains is the thing. So, uh, cause the world is such a big place and, and people have so many problems, you know? Um, but you know, but it's just, I, for a long time, I didn't have much tolerance for people who complained about small things. Yeah. I just want to, yeah, I think that's, and even today, I, I kind of don't, and it's her fault, <laughs> I think. Rose. Because like I said, like, you know, the mindset is just for me, and this is something she's taught me, is just to be grateful for what you have. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm grateful for what I have, why would I complain that the person I'm dating is ugly? you know that he smells funny or that she smells funny um you know or that she has an annoying voice i mean these are not it's like my mom says it's all perception you just got to tell yourself that the person is beautiful or tell them to shower (laughs) you know but again my mom taught me a lot about you know respecting other people as well what people want to do with their own lives is their thing well, so. I, think, I think that mentality must have come in very handy when you were working as an assistant to an adult entertainment producer at Playboy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's correct. It did happen. How, how, yeah. Um, how you know, you one yourself? of the reasons that so that's another story. So I don't come from a Hollywood family. It's really hard to get a job in Hollywood. Yeah. So I was going to all these really prestigious interviews or in my mind, it was big. Like I was going to CAA to interview for, to be an assistant. I was interviewing at like CNN, you know, Yeah. but none of these people will hire you because as you learn, it's all based on favors yep. and pro, you know? Yep. And, um, so I ended up having to be an assistant to uh, a wonderful man, Frank. <laughs> Frank Martin, the creator of Sex Cetera on Playboy. Um, I really liked working for him. I, I really like him as a person. Um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. But, you know, back then, I, I don't think we were, people were as open-minded about people's sexualities yeah. and um, lifestyles. I think we're very open-minded now. And um, I think that Frank liked me because I never judged him for his personal life. I didn't care. What I cared about was that he was nice to employees, that he paid people, that, you know, he never disrespected me. He never used his gender against me. He was never a misogynist against me. That's what I cared about, you know. Um, And, you know, but he was always so shocked that, that somebody, you know, who could read and write and like, <laughs> I don't know, just be a competent human being would not look down on um, the way he lived his life. So I, like I said, he can do whatever he wants, right? you know? Right. So yeah, it was quite an experience. I met a lot of uh, playmates, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, saw a lot of them. In states of undress, uh-huh. sure, mm-hmm. sure, and um, part of the job. Yeah, perfection does exist in a superficial <laughs> manner. It does. Yeah, um, I used to dress models in college when oh, yeah. I was at when NYU you're in at fashion shows. All so this was really just the gateway drug. I mean, it was the so gateway these are not the type into this professional relationship. Um, but you know what? When right you're now. in sophomore so porn, all you meet are people so that's who ultimately are ultimately why I quit that job. So I these are not the type school. of professional um, relationships I wanted to form, right? You know, mm-hmm. so it doesn't lead you anywhere. So that's ultimately why I quit that job when I like went to grad school. But I always think very fondly on those days because the job wasn't hard. I was treated no respectfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> But yeah, it was an interesting job. I, I totally, I in my 20s, I was an assistant for a year to a porn distributor. Oh, and which one? Can you say? Um, yeah, it was, um, was it Greenlight District or? 
I don't know. Green Light District. I think it was like Green Light District distribution. Anyways, their offices had housed, um, they had a big building that I only had to go to twice because uh, I worked out of his house. But his the big office had um, all the porn directors had offices, sublet offices in it. So, yeah. And when you worked for a director as an assistant, you would pick girls up from the airport, from the Tom Bradley, Bradley International gates, you know, and you would take them to get their STD testing and then bring them over to the offices. And then they would, you know, but it was, it was a very shockingly, even though you saw a lot of things that has very much made me desensitized to certain things. Like I'm like, oh, they're mm-hmm. naked, whatever, <laughs> whatever. It's just a body. <laughs> um, you have to, but uh it is a very professional setting. I, you know, ne- I never witnessed anybody being, but I wasn't. Me on too. Set. <laughs> yeah. I always witnessed people being treated with like the utmost, like gentle hands and caring and no misogyny. Of course, again, I was never on a set. So, you know, but I really liked the job because it paid well and I was mostly on my own and it paid very well. And I was like, great. I can figure out my next step. Now, I'd like to ask Rose, mainly because I don't think, Jamie, that we're ever going to have your mom on the show. No. Uh, Rose, how did you feel <laughs> about Genevieve working in, you know, for Playboy TV? I support her in everything she is involved I in because um, because you, you experience a different um, side of society. And then yeah. you feel what... You feel very fortunate about yourself, and you see how people can get into all kinds of um, livelihood and mm-hmm. the reason behind it. So mm-hmm. instead of, I mean, you you cannot look at people with um, suspicion. You know, you should mm-hmm. respect everybody's lives and their reasons why they go into there, and there's nothing wrong with with any kind of i mean they're still doing their job making yeah. a, a life you know taking home pay to support a family or themselves rose so, for president so there's nothing i mean you can look at other people who are very glamorous but everybody have comes from somewhere so it was and you know what i just want to say like i i don't know i guess their feelings didn't matter this is how young i was that I didn't even ask them what their thoughts were. I would just like tell them stories from the office when it felt like it, Mm -hmm. but it never occurred to me. Maybe it was inappropriate because I was that desensitized. I will say like when the me too uh, movement came around, Mm -hmm. I did think back to those days and I'm like, we never me tooed anybody. Are you kidding me? Those women do not have sex for free either men as well. They do not give it up for free. (laughs) So like I was thinking about consent and all of that. And I I thought how ironic that, Things were so square in that yeah, world, I mean, and yet in Hollywood they weren't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I guess it could be a lesson in uh, in business. You know, there could be a big lesson there. Like, hey, look at uh, soft porn and pornography and how they run their. But we did listen to that podcast. What was that one? Which one? what the fuckery? No, the the porn one. Oh, the last days of summer. The last days of summer. Oh, poor summer. I don't know if you've listened to it. Should I look at? I'll look it up when we're done. <laughs> poor summer. There, there's, you know, no, there's always a dark side to porn. It's the last days of, of course. August. Last days of August. Her name. It's her name. It's this porn star's name. It's either summer mm. or August. The last days of. Yeah, it's the last days of August. Anyway, okay. So, I think the gist of it here, if I may. You may. I have had a lot of jobs like Rose. Mm-hmm. Genevieve and I are probably about the same age. Mm-hmm. Genevieve's so, had a lot of jobs. Too. Genevieve's had a lot of jobs too. Most of my jobs more or less align with Genevieve's jobs. I don't know where I'm going, but I can say this <laughs> is that I definitely think like I had to have all those jobs, literally all those jobs to be the writer that I am today in a way that I appreciate it so much more than if it had just happened for me when I was younger, you know, like I'm so appreciative of every time somebody treats me well, when I'm talking about my book 
or on the show. I'm so appreciative. I'm like, oh, you're, thank you. Thank you so much. Where before I would have been like, well, that's what you're supposed to say. You know what I, you know what I mean? Am entitlement. I entitlement. I would have been so much more entitled. I love making it now versus then, even though it would have been nice to just, you know, but if you sure. had made it in your twenties, you might be a lawyer today. You might've been like, I got tired of screenwriting. So now I'm practicing law. I don't know if I've made it, you know, uh, <laughs> success means something different after the pandemic. Truth. You know, truth. Um, to me, you're successful if you're well-rounded in all parts of your life. Like you've got good relationships with your family. You've got good friends. Um, you do have a career, your health is good, you know, and I certainly don't have everything. So no, I wouldn't actually call myself a successful person. I would just call myself average. I think my mom is successful in her own way too. Oh, Rose but, you know, nobody's like, awesome. yeah, she's very successful, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say that we've made it. Uh, we don't even, and we don't, I don't even think we want to make it and make it, make it. Cause you just turn into somebody. I mean, for me, I've seen the people, I've dealt with a lot of celebrities and I, I've seen what success has done to them and I don't relate to it. So, yeah. Cool. And I think that's what I mean. It's like when you come to find your rhythm later versus right off the bat, there, it's more, there's more sustainability. You see other things, you know, um, I don't know, for example, I have so many friends now who love to teach, you know, they've been acting for so long that teaching really fulfills them because while they've never made it to that B-list, A-list celebrity hood, um, they've made it in a way that makes them content and happy in teaching and giving back and watching other people grow is the next step for them. And they, I think that that's what's sustainable. I'm in agreement. Like, you know, you keep looking ahead. You keep trying for more. You keep pushing boundaries. There's something very fortunate I think about not making it early. It kind of comes back to what you were saying about the 40 year career followed by a pension. Um, you know, even if you're in an artistic career, if you make it early, if you hit that, you know, that success, then you're kind of locked into doing whatever you did that worked over and over again for a 40 year career. If you want to continue, you know, in that career, but if you, not flounder, but if you, you know, if you take different paths like you've taken and like you have taken, and taken, like yeah. you have taken, um, then, you know, you end up having that well-rounded life and, and lots of experiences and, um, your and friendship things. circles grow, yeah. you know, yes, when, your yes. friendship circles grow and you and, meet a lot more different people. And that is like everything for me. Like, I don't want my friendship circles to get smaller. I want to expand. I'm, I'm constantly, you know, I love, I love doing this show because we get to meet you guys. And now I'm going to be calling you all the time. Be like, when's book two coming? I'm, I've done everything in book one every day. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> now, you know, it's, it's interesting because Genevieve, uh, you sent us the list of, of Rose's jobs. And <laughs> the very first thing you said is she's retired. And, he, and then the next thing you said is now here's all the things she does. <laughs> <laughs> what are you retired right. from? CPA. You're a retired CPA. Yeah. Or are you still doing accounting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the uh, it's most important. You know, you cannot define success on a monetary basis, yes. or, or something like you think somebody is successful. It's right. how do you make a difference in the world? You know, whether it's a small yeah. contribution, a large contribution. I know a lot of people that work on a job, as you say, for forty years, get a pension, have a comfortable life. I I don't think they're successful. What do they do? You know. What would they do to change even a little bit of other people's life? I mean, like having we, the show is a great thing. You know, the, your show, it, oh, it goes to a lot of people. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening now to your podcast. And so you make a difference in their life. You may make them have a happier day or think more. Or it's inspiring. That's that's the most important thing. You You have to inspire other people and and make their life better. I think that is success. Rose is going to get way too much fan mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could do that with porn, too. Yeah. Just the same. Just saying. So, yeah, porn. So I just, just wanted to get that in there. Mm -hmm. Porn does change lives. 
I, I, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> there is one project, Rose, that you that you did that I think you know really did probably have a big impact, and I'm curious just what led you to do it um, and, and, and to know more about it. And that was starting a solar farm. Yeah, what, that's great. What inspired you to do that, and what you know? I. I I truly love the earth, okay? I have a recycle bin at home, and I'm the only one that's <laughs> consistently... It started throw- small. The dream started small. <laughs> putting yeah. things into... I'm the only one. Genevieve frozen all over the place, okay? <laughs> that's te- that's 10 years, 20 years ago. My now, recycle bin at home is not successful. <laughs> I can tell you I'm the only contributor. <laughs> and then I look into the recycle bin and find all the kinds of trash in it as well. Because that's I'm with you. I, I go. Th- I root through oh. our recycle bin and fix fix the sorting. The list yeah. is always changing. <laughs> but you know, I always love the earth, and I always think, um, you know, I come from a background where I have a lot of things, and I don't have a lot of things. Mm-hmm. When I was young, we are very short of water. We have serious drought. So every mm-hmm. three days, we have only one hour of water. So wow. this was in Hong Kong, by the this way, is in Hong which Kong. you wouldn't think. And wow. then I remember that one hour, everybody's tap is turned on maximum. And we have so many buckets in the, um, at, mm. in the house, you know, yeah. and we only take baths uh, once every three, four days. Mm-hmm. And my poor parents take the secondhand bath. <laughs> The kids take the first hand. This is to... why she taught you to uh, to not judge how your your partner smells. Right. <laughs> <laughs> subconsciously, this was right. subconsciously this is the story. So yeah. I learned to save every drop of water. Today, today I still do that. Okay. And yes, you learn to appreciate what you have. Okay. I, I shower with a bucket. Like get a bucket in the shower so I can then Use water the, the plants. Recycle yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I, I recycle everything. <laughs> I try my best. Not to That's waste wonderful. anything. Put it that way. Yeah. We have to yeah. appreciate what the earth, the universe have given us. So I thought solar farm thing fits what I want to do. You know, like I do all these herbal business and all that. It's not for the money. I I never to be honest with you, I lose money on all these passion. It's true. Okay, (laughs) that I have. But I continue to do it because I think this is important to me. I want to uh, pay my duties to the community, to the world, you know. And and then this solar project is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And I finally did it. It was up to, you know, I didn't get my permit until two hours before my absolute deadline. That means wow. I'm throwing away millions of dollars of investment if I don't get it in those two hours. Yeah. It, I can't sleep for two days. Oh but I finally did it. I know God will help me. <laughs> because I'm doing something I think is great, you know. Yeah. And It's in New Jersey, by the way, if you guys ever want to visit. Yeah, but it's very hard. The, if the, I can get some like Google Earth coordinates, <laughs> uh, it got to. It was a really hard project. I mean, there were even times when I'd be hanging out in New York City, and I'd get calls from my mom, and she'd be like, "Do you want to go to New Jersey to deliver some papers for me?" Wow. Or to stand outside a woman's office and beg and her wow. to put the stamp on. Yeah. Yeah, and beg her. To, it's there was a lot of politics and government entities involved in a solar farm. And uh, yeah, I must have gone through 400 people, you know, to get that. Yeah, it was really, it's It's really really hard. hard. Yeah, so, so many. I I wonder if it's because of uh, you're you're like messing with the the energy uh, companies, companies, and they're yes, yes, pushback. Yes, yes, Yes. because you're taking away business from big guys. Okay, they make it extremely difficult for you, and and then. But I, I really like it, you know. Just the thought of I'm supplying to two thousand homes with um, with natural energy makes me very happy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. That's so, so great. I I also I don't know if you have that. I also used to own a healthcare facility for indigent 
seniors. I took no. 120 indigent seniors every day to babysit. It was an adult day healthcare center. So for people who don't know what that is, it's um, if you're a senior who can kind of take care of themselves, but kind of can't, mm-hmm. you kind of check into this, I call it a camp. It's not a camp necessarily, it's a babysitting but it's like place. a rec center. It's, it's a, a babysitting place almost without being babysat because they socialize between each other a lot. They also date each other, which I always thought was very weird. But um, <laughs> but they basically check in, get free food, socialize. They get checkups with our There was uh, a free a healthcare. They get free healthcare. Nurse. You know. It's kind of like a social club, but with more with benefits. benefits. But anyways... But yeah, there were a lot of Chinatown seniors who went to this, and I, it was, I think that was a rewarding. That's very um, rewarding. I remember fighting yeah. with um, somebody in Sacramento when they want to um, cut back the budget for a certain participant, and he is seventy-something years old. He's poor. He's blind. He's have all kinds of health issues, and they want to kick him out. Oh. I flew up to San Francisco to fight for him. I failed because I was, <laughs> but I failed. That's fine. You know, I did my job and I wrote to different um, legal societies to hopefully help him to come back. And I failed too. Okay. But it's rewarding. I tried. It's not the result. Yeah. It's that I tried. Okay. Yeah. I remember the, 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 um, the bureaucrat telling me, Rose, the problem that's wrong with you is that you mix your emotion with what you should do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, these are your passion projects, though. They're not right. your they're they're not your income projects. So taking your emotion out of your passion projects is no longer of, a passion project. No longer, yeah. It, it no the purpose. Well, somebody has to look after. I think it's a huge problem in this country. Like people are not looking after the seniors. Somebody needs to make sure that these seniors are alive on a weekly basis. Okay. So we made sure this participant was alive every week and that, you know, he had all of his needs in that. You know, we Um, helped a 101 year old to reunite with his family. So that is super rewarding for us. You know, I'll tell you the story. So basically I can't remember what Chinese holiday it was, but like Antonio Villaraigosa was like the mayor of mm-hmm. LA back then. And so I was like, mom, you need to do some publicity for your place, your senior citizen center. And yeah. so my mom said, oh, we'll have the seniors sing and dance for Antonio Villaraigosa. So there are these senior women dancing for I him. love it. Like in traditional Chinese garb with fans and stuff. And I could just see that. Uh, the mayor was like, this is so weird. But anyways, <laughs> well, he enjoys we, it. We, oh, he he, to enjoy he enjoyed it. it. <laughs> um, I invited like KNBC and like some TV stations and, and it, some newspapers. And that's when they took pictures of some seniors with the mayor. And that's how the old guy reunited with his family. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I was shocked. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe a good deed came out of that. This is amazing. But this That's is cool. the rewarding, you know? You're yeah. very happy for that you did something. Yeah. So that's, you know, this pandemic taught me a lot of things because I realized that my standard of judging people needs to be dramatically changed after this. <laughs> dramatically changed. But you have to judge them harder because you weren't judging enough before? No. <laughs> a lot of people no, that... She's become even more liberal. Oh, actually. my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I just correct my errors. Uh, I, I was wrong in a lot of things. Like, I think somebody is dumb, and, and it turns out he's not. He may be smarter <laughs> than me, you know. I shouldn't even look at him that way, you know. So I regret what I did before, but I, I move on, you know. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't live with too much guilt. Oh, I mean, it, it, in our culture, I feel like you would definitely be sainted by now, but we don't saint people here. So um, I hope you live with not a whole lot of guilt, Rose. Because no, no, I, I think this is person. a learning experience for me. You know, just like a kid, you know, you learn every day what you should do. Mm-hmm. But, I agree. Uh, you you have to be happy. I mean, you t- like the show you have now. It touch a lot of lives. You know, that's very we, we, rewarding. We try. 
Yeah. Well, we're going to be dancing for the mayor next week, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, the new one who's on his yeah the new one who's yeah. on his way to India That's to be right. ambassador. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we're dancing for the Dance ambassador. Dance for him next before week. he goes. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right, and I think that the pandemic has created. We don't see it enough, but it's created a lot more compassion. I think I I feel a lot more compassion for people that I would previously have dismissed. And, um, you know, I think that that is a good thing. I think it has taught us a lot. Do we need it to last for two years? No, I, I don't think we needed it to last for two years. Till spring. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate the compassion. I think it's also rooted out the people you thought had compassion and were nice people to just be tyrants. And you're like, oh my God, here's some scary people in our yeah, it's interesting. Some people went nicer, and then some people showed their true selves and went right. the other way. Yeah, and it's really shocking. It's the unbelievable. Latter. Yeah, you yeah. really yeah. just see a lot of people's real faces now. And it's, I, I have, I have found, especially with those people, uh, those people, I have, uh, I have found it to be, and even that, an exercise in if not compassion, just trying to understand. Yeah. Because I I know that it's, you know, it's so much of it is fear. Yeah. I, you know, what I understand, what, what I think is universal is fear. And I understand that people are making decisions and, and, and actions that I don't necessarily agree with, but out of a fear that I do understand mostly. <laughs> but that's the you're right i mean what we learned during the pandemic is people's um level of fear yeah, yeah. like how fearful they really are in in daily lives and it extends beyond whether and what or not they're they afraid of yeah. yeah what they're afraid of yeah w will they go the lengths to drink a chinese herbal soup oh, in fear God. for fear mm -hmm. that their health will go down i sincerely hope know? they will I, yeah, and they will. so and we're it, capitalizing on that fear as yes. well. Yes. It also protects your freedoms. Chinese yes. students will protect freedom. It will protect individuality. Um, there are no guarantees that you should take off a mask, but um, should you take off your mask, you will feel better anyway. Well, I, yeah, you'll drink some soup and you'll feel better. Yeah, people are very fearful. That's what we we definitely learned. Yeah. Which brings me to a quote of Rose's that I agree with because what I have come to learn through this is that. We are a very, we have a, education is at the root of all of this. We have not properly educated this entire country, you know, and that is a problem because Rose, you gave a quote um, to USC, being well-educated is as important as being ethical and moral. Um, I don't know when you said that, when you <laughs> maybe I said that. Somebody said yeah. you said that. I agree yeah, with she that. said it in a newsletter. I said that. I, I agree with it 100%, though. I, I think that we need more education, and I, I, I think that, it you know. Education and soup. Education and soup. <laughs> sharing and forgiving. And, and, and sharing, sharing and forgiving. And forgiving. <laughs> yeah. Sharing and forgiving, yeah. It's been, that's been interesting for me to see, is just friends who cannot forgive others. Yeah. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. but we just went through a pandemic. Why don't you just forget about everything that happened before this? Yeah, it starts today. Let's start yeah. today. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you for being here with me on that ride. Oh, thank you for having thank us. Thank you very yeah. much for having us. You guys are awesome. Honestly, I'm very feel very impressed and like I need to go get a couple more jobs under my belt. Probably. Probably. <laughs> they were so great, weren't they? So great. And next week's guest is another amazing woman. Heck yeah, she is. Next week, we welcome our friend and mentor and two-time Emmy award-winning TV director, Mary Lou Belli, to the show. Listener, you do not want to miss this. Want my money, but I got no money. This ain't no savings and loan.